Optimism Podcast fam. It's your host, Paul J. Long, coming to you all the way from the Fundamism Newsroom. And if you're watching on YouTube, you already know that. But most likely you're downloading from or streaming from iTunes, uh, maybe Spotify, whatever you dabble in. And to that, we greatly appreciate your support. You know the deal. We like to feature guests who are having fun in life and creating fun in the lives of others, individuals that gravitate towards things that lift them up. And before we introduce today's Fundamism Podcast guests, I would like to shout out uh, to an organization that's been doing that for many years here in the Kansas City area. Charlie Hustle is creating not only uh, amazing threads, but memories for all. So if you don't know anything about Charlie Hustle, please go to charliehustle.com to learn more. So I had the opportunity to meet our next guest on a podcast called Fired Up KC with my boy Zeke, former UMKC alum. I'd never heard of this gentleman, never met this gentleman, and it was like we were uh, brothers from another mother. The moment that I felt his energy, I knew that he would be a guest. I said to myself, he will be mine. Oh yes, he will be mine. Ladies and gentlemen, former Kansas City Councilman, former mayoral candidate, current consultant in all things fun, my boy, Jermaine Reed, what is good? Jermaine, how are you, sir? What's good, <laughs> We're all the way up, sir. We're all the way up. Ooh. How are you doing today? I'm listen. I'm on cloud nine. We finally we finally hammered out a time where you and I could share in some energy together. I've been yes, waiting sir. on this moment because because uh, <laughs> I needed to pick me up, and uh, I knew that you were just the guy to do it. So, uh, cool. in order to to establish a baseline of what we're getting into, same question I ask every single guest: What do you do for fun, Jermaine? Well, I like to travel, and I like to have fun with family and friends, and a good bar drink here and there. Uh, that's about it. <laughs> that's about it. Well, yeah. you, uh, you certainly have your hands full. I know that you are, uh, you, you got your hands on a lot of pots. Uh, you're consistently doing the dang thing. And as you know, uh, and obviously as you've prioritized in your life based on the way that you carry yourself, it's important to set aside time for your own mental health. And so yeah, taking the time to go out and having a drink with friends or uh, cutting up with family, super important. Now, I know just in the short hour that we spent together uh, that you're kind of you're kind of hip in the old pop culture. Uh, we were kind of wrapping back and forth with some movie lines. There was some coming to America references. So, uh, so as we progress, before we get too far down the path. Uh, what's your favorite? What's your favorite like sitcom back in the day, or maybe even movie? Like first one that jumps <laughs> there, out at you. There, 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 there's a couple of them actually, um, and interestingly enough, uh, just last night I was uh, watching television after the Democratic uh, convention, and so I was I was pretty much done with the convention, and I, I didn't want to hear any of the commentary. And so I went looking for Martin reruns. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, so that definitely is one. Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yes. Uh, it, it is is another one. And although we can't really watch these anymore, and this may be a tad bit controversial, but the Cosby Show uh, yep. was also a really good one for me uh, growing up. So, and and then for movies, uh, I would give some other good classics. 
uh, which would be Lean On Me is yes. my favorite of all time and Coming to America. Yes. Oh, man, <laughs> there's so much. There's so much here to unpack. So first of all, first question, Martin, has Bawaka Matisha ever dropped that baby? Because, like, I feel like that's been a long-going thing. Like, I just wait for the day where Bawaka Matisha actually drops it. <laughs> well, I, I, don't, I don't know if she uh, – Gee, it, it, it has the <laughs> capability. Uh, the answer is probably no. All right. Uh, <laughs> did you hear that they are in, uh, there is a, a remake of The Fresh Prince of Black Air? I did. That, that it actually the movie um, um, Coming to America. There's going yes. to be a remake for both, actually. I, That's I, right. Uh, and we, and we re- got. And them. I read the one for um, Fresh, Fresh Prince literally like last week or something. Yes. Yeah. And Which it's a great. it's a drama, and what's interesting is it, it was just a gentleman that was like a huge fan of the Fresh Prince right. of Bel Air, and he wrote a whole script and uh, got somehow got uh, Will Smith's ear, and here we go. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be great as a drama. I wonder if every single episode is gonna feature like you remember uh, you remember how Phil and, and uh, Fresh and, and Will always got into the the really significant talks. And it got emotional. And uh, the one episode that jumps out at me, of course, is when Will was struggling with uh, his relationship with his dad. And he was mad and he was crying. And, of course, Phil, right? It's Phil. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uncle Phil. Uncle Phil. You, so you remember the episode <laughs> that I'm talking about? And he held him real tight. And Will was like yeah. air punching everything. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 And, yeah. 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 Uh, well, it, it was always good, too, because uh, when Ashley or Carlton or the butler... Uh, and then the, the the other cousin, uh, what is her name? It's basically right now. Hillary. Is yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, they, they always had. One of my favorite episodes, though, is when uh, Will Smith was trying to play Ashley's father. And he went into the school and then he had this fake mustache on and the teacher ripped it off. And the teacher was so fine that, you know, he was trying to hit on her. And then, yeah, that, that. That's one of my favorites. And then jazz, all those. Oh, uh, jazz. Uh, uh, I figured you were too uh, young to remember all of these. Heck good, no. Good, this is, this, I grew up on this stuff. Do you, so, <laughs> do you remember? So for those of you guys tuning in right now, you might be wondering, what in the hell are they doing? Uh, but listen, what you can't see, uh, but you could certainly hear if you're not on YouTube, is as we're talking about these things, uh, two gentlemen, or at least one gentleman and myself, are smiling from ear to ear, laughing, thinking about memories in our life and uh, things that give us strength. And that is fundamentalism. So, you know, if, if it's Will and Carlton uh, going to a, to a, to a pool, uh, pool club and sharking folks uh, or Carlton shooting his shot, um, then ultimately, man, I'm about that life. I, I do want to circle back would, on a couple of things. They would do that, yeah. whatever that Carlton that's, is. That's a staple. Like that is... I feel like that's bad. Um, now, you you mentioned uh, Martin. You mentioned the Cosby Show. Uh, you didn't mention the Wayans Brothers. Did you ever got get into the oh, Wayans? Yeah, of course, of course. The Wayans Brothers, Jamie's Fox. Uh, we had Eddie Griffin, who had a show that you know he, he's he's from here, and it was actually based off of Westport. Uh, yeah, I mean, the list could go on, uh, but yeah, definitely the Wayans Brothers were was good, uh, and funny enough as well. Um, was um, not not uh, oh, it's not what what was their spinoff of Saturday Night Live? 
Oh, 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 oh uh, not Mad TV, but uh, come yeah. on now. Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. In living color. In living color. In living color. Hey. I wanted to. I wanted to call it something else, but in living color. Yes. Yes. Uh, it just. It, it, it. What it did is it showed you how talented they were. Uh, Jim Carrey. Yes. Uh, who was well, let me show you token white guy? But <laughs> it was so so funny. Um, <laughs> homie, don't play that. Those different characters. You remember that one? Oh homie yeah, uh, and then homie the, the film critics. Uh, I give that three snaps and a Z. <laughs> 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 but uh, so my favorite. Uh, so circling yes. back real quick to the Wayans brothers. That's my favorite uh, theme song of all time, and I'm not uh, even sure if I could sing it anymore. Do you remember? Like, I don't know if it's PC for me to sing, but it but it went like this. Uh, Jermaine, hold me accountable. You know that, uh, man, I just love this song. It was, we're brothers, we're happy, and we're singing, and we're colored. Last thing before we switch gears. Do you remember the episode of In Living Color uh, where um, Jim Carrey was the karate instructor teaching self-defense and uh, he had a knife and he was teaching the lady. He's like, come at me and I'll show you the correct way to, you know. And so she would, she would immediately work him over. And he's like, no, you're coming, you're coming at me all wrong. You're, you have to come at me like this. <laughs> Did you ever see that one? I'm, gonna I'm, not, I'm not sure. I'm going to send you a link uh, as we, as we uh, finalize our time together. Um, last question is lean on me, uh, related to the pop culture is lean on me. The one with Morgan Freeman. Absolutely. My goodness. That movie was amazing. And my, my best friend in uh, high school, CC Brown, Charlie Calvin Brown, uh, him and I, we used to, we graduated together from Osawatomie, Kansas. And we used to reenact that scene, uh, where of course everybody's trying to get into the school and uh, Mr. Clark is uh, trying to get the cha- get the chains off the doors. Get the chains, get the off. chains off the doors. <laughs> get the chains off the door. <laughs> uh, he had some cold or whatever it was, <laughs> and then he's running because he just finished talking to the young lady in the in the auditorium. And, yes. uh, to, to Misha, I believe, or something her, was her name. And yeah, uh, and yeah, 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 yeah. He 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 was. Yeah. Get the chains off. Get the chains off. And then, and, then, and, then, and then the fire chief says, because you're a big mouth. And then that old angry wench is what they called her on the steps of City Hall. Uh, they're in um, uh, 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 Patterson, New Jersey. <laughs> with, with the mayor and everybody. Oh, my God. Yeah. So uh, we're kindred spirits, my friend. This is a perfect jumping off uh, point for a lot of the experiences that you've kind of had in life. So... I went to your your website, JermaineReed.com, and it looks like uh, it looks like you you came up in a in a rather large family, single mother, lots of siblings. Um, so, talk to us a little bit about that experience and where you kind of where you grew your love for helping others. Yeah, so um, my mom raised my brothers and I, uh, four brothers. I make five. Uh, I'm the second oldest uh, of the five, and so three younger ones under me and an older brother and the younger ones didn't come around until probably what, seven, eight years after uh, I was born. So I'm a little older than them. And uh, my experiences at home, uh, once they were um, getting, you know, in in the elementary school or what have you, I was getting ready to go off to college. And so, but um, 
life was life was interesting uh, growing up, and, and in no way would I have Eric ever characterized uh, my upbringing as poor or disadvantaged or struggling or anything. It was just life as we knew it. Mm. Um, because what happened uh, for for me, and, and and I think a lot of people's families, uh, is that there was a lot of love, compassion, uh, support, uh, and encouragement to do whatever you want to do and that you can accomplish things. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, our electricity may, might have been off at home. Um, we, the gas might have been off. The water might have been off at times. Uh, my mom would probably uh, be she's working a blue-collar job, uh, trying to make sure that she can make ends meets to keep the bills on, keep food on the table so that we could eat. Sometime I remember growing up saying her not necessarily even eating food. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just so that we, uh, so that we could have uh, food to eat, but none of that, you know, was, uh, anything that stopped us from realizing that anything in life was possible. And I remember <clears throat> I was getting interviewed by the Kansas city star, um, my senior year of high school, I was featured as a, um, I, I think the article says something along the lines of uh, team make most, most of life with contributions to the community. And one of the one of the uh, questions that the uh, reporter at that time had asked me was, "Is that did you ever think that anything in life wasn't possible? You're graduating from high school, you're going off to college to MU, um, and uh, you're the first in your family to do so. Uh, did you ever think that this would be possible?" And uh, for me, my I'll never forget that moment because my immediate answer was no, and uh, because. Uh, because of what I mentioned at the top of uh, my earlier comments were um, we've always felt like everything was possible and with love, encouragement, support. Uh, of course, uh, my mom couldn't do it alone. There were so many others in our village that helped uh, really form my opinions, uh, really helped form uh, who I am as a man uh, and who really uh, molded me into, I believe, the, the person I've become today. Uh, those have been my grandparents. Uh, one, my late grandfather, uh, who passed away some seven years ago, uh, Kenneth Reed uh, is his name. Uh, and he, while a blue-collar worker himself and didn't graduate from high school, uh, he, he was the average guy. And he taught me so much uh, love and compassion. And actually, you know, when I think about uh, what we were just talking about from those TV shows, um, <clears throat> for me, like... Uh, Watching the Cosby's or watching the Wayne brothers, Wayne brothers. These were African American families that uh, we were able to look up to. And so, while my family didn't have uh, a big mansion uh, like they did in, in uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, uh, it was something that I aspired to be be like or, or to do. Or having a judge or an attorney or a doctor in the home, uh, at least for me, you know, I, I I realized that I had friends that uh, I've, I've met along the way from high school whose parents were doctors and lawyers and judges and uh, individuals. But um, I can go on and on and on um, uh, just about that. But I, I, would, I, would, I would end by saying um, that those life, early life experiences, uh, and even uh, at one time been homeless, where we were evicted from our home and had, had to couch search uh, from, fam, fam, uh, from relative to relative's home, um, and but realizing that even during that difficult time for us, uh, my mom encouraged us. My, my, my late grandfather encouraged me. 
my grandmother encouraged us, my uncles, my aunts, all you know, banded together and and um, were pushing to say, look, anything in life is uh, possible uh, because um, if you just put your mind to it, you can do it. Um, and the only thing that isn't possible in life is death because when you're dead, uh, you have no more opportunities to give it a try. And uh, I try every day to get up and, and give life my best shot uh, that I possibly can. Well, it's evidenced by uh, the two interactions that we've had thus far, and obviously some fun text exchanges, um, that you are a gentleman that makes the most out of your experience here on this earth. Before we kind of transition into um, your education, uh, we we have some parallels, some uh, some some mutual love uh, in our alma maters. Um, not not MU, uh, no offense. Uh, but I know that you took some classes up at UMKC as well, and uh, education is very important to you. Before we go down that path, I'd like to uh, really talk through this mindset in you that anything in life is possible. And you mentioned that growing up, uh, obviously, it, it was it was a challenge, but you didn't know it at the time. Like, you didn't have anything to compare it to. To you, it was just life experience. So whether you're homeless and 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 couch surfing or looking for a couch uh, or the electricity is off, uh, or, you know, mama's not eating, uh, whatever it may be, you still had this mindset, uh, back then. And even today you mentioned even, you know, the, the featured article by the Kansas city star when you were a high schooler that, that anything is possible. So my question to you is there's so many folks in this earth or on this earth that have these moments in life, whether we, we start out in poverty or, uh, everything's going our way and we file bankruptcy or we're hit with something significant. Maybe it's a you know health problem or whatever it may be. And all of a sudden it's a defining moment in our life where uh, we don't have a shot anymore. Um, before you answer the question, I, I just want to say that I can really relate to a lot of what you're talking about. So growing up in a small town, uh, first of all, I mean, I went to like six, seven, eight different schools by the time I was in fifth grade. And uh, I remember living in my grandma's basement. Uh, I remember renting a lot. We were always in a new apartment. And it wasn't because I was a, uh, an army brat. It was because we were poor. And uh, I, rec- I recall walking up to the store, IGA in Osawatomie, and getting my gallon of milk on Wick, baby. Uh, represent Wick. Thank you. Uh, but uh, And I told you this before, uh, and you guys probably have heard it on, a, on another uh, podcast, but but I remember getting gas with change in the Ziploc bag, you know, $5 on pump four. So there's so many things that I could relate to in your story. But uh, most importantly, the thing that I could relate to is uh, it appears that you and I didn't allow these struggles to define what we thought life could be. What is different in you that allows you to see things that way as opportunity versus somebody that maybe uh, sees it as a challenge or a rut that they can't dig themselves out of? Um, it's pretty simple. In life, we're told too many times what not to do, but we're not often told what to do. And for me, I think that was the major difference is that I listened more to the what to do versus what not to do. Yeah. For example, don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Don't have sex before marriage. Uh, don't go out and get bad grades. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. But and, and most time, people spend more time talking at you than with about what 
<laughs> is that is that you got the feeling? <laughs> I got the feeling. I'm, I'm preach on it. Preach on that boy. Good. I'm just getting started. <laughs> but 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 you know seriously, I mean we're, we we talk more at are you if if you have kids, which I don't. Uh, but I see so many people and so many times, and sometimes even growing up for me, I, I remember as an adult. Um, I, I have had these conversations with my mom and said, sometimes, you know, there was always this, what you shouldn't do and how you shouldn't do it. And go sit down and don't do that. And, but you don't spend time talking them through and coaching them through mm. and letting them understand um, why you should make those decisions. You know, you're often um, coming to coming to them uh, or they may be coming to you with their problems, but not coming to you with solutions. And I think that, um, for me, for sure, it was some real defining moments that since I had so many individuals from mentors to uh, older family members to uh, just even uh, successful um, friends and their families who spent more time talking with me about how to be successful, how to accomplish things, uh, that those things stuck out to me versus the what not to do. And I think a lot of times that we get into those what not to do's and then they become uh, a, a source of rebellion and um, and a source of, well, they keep telling me not to do it. Let me just keep trying it. Now, don't get me wrong. I've done some bad things just as much as the next person. Sure. But I haven't I haven't gone so far as that I let those bad things outweigh the good things uh, because I've definitely done way more good things than I've done bad. Uh, if I told you my worst story of this year, you'll probably say, wow, if that's your worst story, which I'm comfortable with sharing, if you like. But if you, <laughs> if you, if, if you say, if that's your worst story of the year, then, you know, uh, that something's wrong with you. <laughs> like, sure. because they're way worse stories. For sure. Um, but so I, I think that those are some, some, some key points um, that help me really navigate life's um, situation. I mean, and I know we'll get into this and I'll probably say it again, but just even running for public office at uh, 25 years old um, and been the first person in city history to even uh, win a public office and serve in, in, um, on the city council at 25 years old. One of the things that uh, I, I continuously thought about uh, when giving it a shot was, you know, I never know if I can do this unless I, unless I try. I had so many people tell me no, you can never do that. You will never win. What are you trying to run for? Uh, are you trying to run for Congress? Are you trying to run for the next big, big, big thing? No, I don't know if I can do this unless I give it a try. And I only got one shot to, to try it and get it right. And that's the first time. And thankfully, uh, that time I, I won with uh, 68% of the vote. Wow. Well, uh, for those of you tuning in, uh, again, we thank you. But um, just a little nugget that I heard uh, Jermaine say that I hope you take away. So running for public office at 25, a lot of folks saying, what are you doing? Uh, you shouldn't do that. You won't win, whatever it may be. It goes back to the point that you said so many pe people, especially now in today's society are willing to tell you uh, that you're doing it wrong uh, or tell, tell you what, what to do uh, or what not to do versus what to do. And, uh, one thing I admire about you is it seems like based on uh, your, your childhood and growing up and the distance between you and, and some of your other brothers, what, and forgive me, I'm probably inserting, I'm drawing a dotted line here, but 
you were almost forced to play more of uh, a, a fa- not a fatherly role, but like you were forced to grow up in a hurry. Like you were, you were a man of the house. Is that an accurate statement? No, you know, very, very accurate. Um, I, I, I tell people all the time, as, as I just referenced, um, haven't been elected, and, and I'll get back to that to that point too. Uh, but haven't been elected at 25 years old. I had to grow up very quickly. Right. There's so many people at 25 who, who are still trying to figure out what the hell they want to do in life. Right. Dude, I'm are, 39. Are, I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so uh, to be to be thrust into a uh, public spotlight uh, in the court of public opinion every day uh, and having to make uh, real life decisions on behalf of a city with a one point seven billion dollar budget with over half a million people in, in our city, over 80,000 constituents in which I'm responsible, roads, streets, sides, uh, airports, bridges, um, uh, just the quality of life for every single person at 25. I will often say that I had to grow up very, very quickly. But I also think uh, to your earlier uh, point is that just like my childhood experiences, there were times that I had to grow up very quickly as well and take on different roles that I think as you, uh, you, I know you hear this often is that if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. For sure. And so at, at, at a lot of points, I have already always been ready and not having to get ready. Yes. So the reason why I asked that question is, um, first of all, I, I'm, I've noticing or I've noticed a phenomenon lately when I talk through uh, individuals that appear to be seeing some level of success, however success is defined to you, but they 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 are experiencing some level of joy, fun, fulfillment. Maybe they're you know entrepreneurs. Maybe they they found the job that gives them passion, whether it's corporate America or whatnot. Maybe they got the perfect family, whatever it may be. A phenomenon that I'm noticing when I start to talk through the journey of these individuals is those that are the happiest have had very significant times in their life where they weren't. And uh, the reason why I bring that up, of course, is because our life is a series of events that offers us perspective and opportunities for growth. And so I look at your childhood, uh, and I know there's so much more to the story, but I look at your childhood as as really one of the things that is establishing uh you and how you carry yourself and your your intellect and your ability to communicate and your ability to deal with challenge and and all that stuff to get you ready to at age 25 take on this public office uh that potentially you know nothing about and now you're in control of all this stuff so so that is absolutely phenomenal the thing that i want to ask you is reaching uh public office at 25 uh, being a significant um, uh, fatherly figure, I don't, I, I don't know how to say it, uh, uh, patriarch of your family experience at a younger age. I know that you're a mentor of our, our mutual friend, Zeke, and, and several others. Do you find yourself consistently in a position where people are coming to you for advice or seeking you out for information on how to uh, how to push through their journey? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I remember once um, I, I was talking with my grandmother and I was telling her it's 
it's becoming a little bit uh, weird uh, that people refer to me as Mr. Reed. And uh, I was, and this this was several years ago. And I re I remember her response was, "Well, son, that's just because people respect you, and you've earned that respect, uh, rightfully so." Uh, but in my mind, it was Mr. Reed was my grandfather, or you know, an uncle, or someone along those lines. Uh, and it was, you know, I'm I'm looking at myself as just Jermaine. And so. When you when when you're characterized in this sort of box of of respect, and people refer to you as, as that, uh, you know, my grandmother's words really stick out. Uh, as she said, even recently, as the other day to me, is that it's just a term. It's a term of endorsement, and that people respect you. And so uh, I get the fact, and I I enjoy uh, having an opportunity to talk to uh, folks about my journey. I enjoy uh, the opportunity to coach people through. Uh, those sort of challenges that they feel like they are facing. I enjoy talking to that individual who, who says to me, well, I want to run for office. And my first response to everyone who says that to me, well, start running. Yeah. Uh, and so, <laughs> because it's, it's like, these are, these are things that um, I had people who helped me along the way um, that exposed me to so many opportunities that I think it's important to, to, to do with others. Well, Mr. Reed, uh, I do respect <laughs> you. Uh, all right, Mr. And I, and I got the hint, all right? <laughs> uh, Jermaine, one of the things that um, has been a challenge for me as of late, I, like you, I take great pride in uh, putting out good energy and potentially offering an opportunity to, uh, to help where help is needed, right? And so as such, there are folks that gravitate towards you and they ask questions and they talk about relationships and they talk about what, all the challenge that you referenced, right? And uh, I, had this, I had this dark moment uh, late last week. And the moment was like, I, I had all these amazing things that have been happening over the course of the last two weeks, but I just felt this sense of emptiness, right? Like it was, something was missing. I felt like this darkness. And and the darkness was attributed to like all of these, these interactions that I was having with people that were really taking, or I was allowing them to take my light, if that makes sense. Like I was, yeah. I was throwing so much energy at um, other people's problems that I, that I wasn't giving myself enough energy to push through my own. Uh, and so the reason why, reason why I'm, I'm prefacing all this and I'm talking about you I'm hoping for a little uh, self-discovery moment or self-reflecting moment in myself uh, to where Mr. Reed could walk me through something. I saw this amazing uh, tweet yesterday that really encapsulated how I felt last week. And the tweet read, stop letting people battle themselves vicariously through you. Stop letting people battle themselves vicariously through you. The reason why that resonated me uh, or with me, of course, is uh, being an individual like yourself, Jermaine, uh, or an individual like myself that is willing to engage and have conversation and help potentially work through challenge of other people. The truth of the matter is a lot of people aren't willing to put in the work necessary to create tr true impactful change or improvements in quality of life. And so... That's a very long setup to say, what experiences have you had 
and what advice would you give when individuals are, are reaching out, asking for advice or wanting to, wanting to, uh, to get a piece of you, a piece of your mind or a piece of me, let's get specific. How do you protect your energy? How do you protect yourself while still helping others? Yeah. Um, you, you said a lot to unpack. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, wouldn't uh, be the first time in my life somebody said that. <laughs> um, so, 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 so let's, let's start with uh, the, the first, the first um, sort of thing that you mentioned, which was not allowing others in your energy uh, and to uh, take up your space and the energy that you give off or uh, that they're giving. Uh, and for me, I would answer that by, I think that too often times um, we try to take on others and their problems. And people come to you and they want to start sharing all of the things that um, they're dealing with. And then it becomes your problem. Uh, and for me, uh, I, I've often tried to have at least that real firewall that uh, I have to um, say, look, at this point, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm willing to help as much as far as we can go. Uh, but you have to answer and make this decision for yourself. I can give you scenario after scenario, option A, option B, option C, and you have to choose which one you're going to deal with and deal with it. Um, but I will also tell you uh, that after you've dealt with it, that it isn't the end of the world if it, isn't, if it doesn't go the right way. Uh, are the way that you wanted it to go because you can always come back and do it a different way so that you can get a different result. And so I think when you get that firewall and you're up against it and dealing with others, you have to make that, you have to do that and you have to let it go and don't let it become uh, your problem along with their problem uh, because you individually, which gets to the second piece of what I uh, think I'm hearing you asked about and or, or discuss here is that protecting yourself. I think also deals with that sort of something. Here, here's a, here's a, here's a very simple thing. I professionally have a cell phone that is only for business purposes, and I have a separate cell phone that is a personal cell phone, right? Uh, people say, well, why do you have two cell phones? Well, because I want to protect my energy. I know if my professional cell phone rings and I am on vacation, if I pick it up, I choose to answer that call and to go into work mode. If my personal phone rings and I'm on vacation, uh, I choose to pick it up and uh, be in my personal space. And so I've had the same cell <laughs> for 10 years, uh, at least for my professional cell phone, and my personal number for at least 20 years at this point. And so I like to have that separation personally because I know I want to be able to, to, able to protect, turn on, and turn off. And so if I keep it, if I, if I have my professional phone on me, I say, well, you know, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm able to take all the calls I can 24 hours a day. Uh, well, I won't be taking calls. <laughs> you, you get the, you get my point. I do. I the most important question I want to ask is what number do I have? Uh, I'm not going to tell you that. On this morning. Uh, <laughs> but you best believe it is professional. 
Oh my goodness! <laughs> and so, uh, but I, so I think those are some of the the, the, the common factors, and and and, and I, I I could probably give another the other examples, but I think that's the crust of it. Yes. Obviously, everyone doesn't want to pay for two cell phones. I actually pay for more than that. Uh, but you know, I I, I I think it's important that you protect your energy from that that angle. And I, I'll never forget. I mean, I people even from just the cell phone scenario, you know. People would often call, I would call my personal phone, and I'll never forget someone calling when I first was elected to office, and it was a Friday night, and this gentleman says to me, oh, they're shooting over here in the neighborhood. What you going to do? Mm. I said, I'm sitting my ass here on this sofa and chill out, <laughs> uh, and I, I think you should call the police, okay? <laughs> now, they called. <laughs> What'd you say? I said, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> what exactly? Now, let's be clear, as a policymaker, Yes, if, if the police department hasn't responded, if if, uh, if no one answered the phones, I have a larger problem that I need to be able to discuss, but I can't, I can't handle it at midnight, right? Yeah. Um, and so there is, there is some reaction that we have to do, but the policies and the things that are in place gives um, a credence to be able to, to handle that. But I remember that night that it was just like, wait a minute, folks, you don't call my personal phone number. And, and this particular person did not call my personal number. They did have my professional number. And I answered um, uh, just to, to be polite. Um, and I wasn't sure what they were calling about. But it was something that stuck out. That it was just like, you know, if you think you can just call and just do things, whatever, like, what, what about my time that I'm just relaxing on, on the sofa, mm. uh, with, with, uh, eating some popcorn and, and sipping some champagne, whatever I might be doing? You know. Oh, turn it up. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, maybe that gentleman looked at you like the great Damon Wayans char- character, uh, Handyman, uh, you know, where you said to get up. And I, that is not a socially acceptable bit anymore, but that dude was fire. Uh, but he looked at you as a superhero. And yeah, I think sure. that, that sometimes we, we hold these individuals in political office and we're seeing it right now as the creators of experience, as the ones driving everything that we're seeing and feeling. And while they play some role, the one thing that I, that I really want to call out to our listeners is, first of all, again, if, if you're counting nuggets, uh, we've got a lot of gold ones. The first one that I called out specifically is stop telling people what not to do and focus on what to do. Uh, and then as a listener, stop listening to what not to do. Identify what to do. I love it. The second one uh, that I just heard you say, and, and this is a magnificent answer on you, uh, and it's an epiphany moment that hit me like a ton of bricks. It's easy for me to say, uh, these people are stealing my energy. It's far more difficult for me to say, I'm allowing these people to steal my energy. It's me, right? And so um, it was interesting because I find myself manifesting these situations because I, I'm looking for it, like I'm feeling it. And so what I feel on the, on the inside, I see on the outside. And so I love what you said, that creating a firewall and owning your experience and your ability to navigate those situations, because it's me, like I, I can, and it's you as the listener, and it's Jermaine as the Fundamism Podcast guest. We have the ability to not point at other individuals or other circumstances or experiences as to why we're messing up or we're unhappy. Uh, the, true, the true crux of, of our experience, it starts from within and what we're feeling and what we, what we desire to feel um, could potentially shift 
when our mind shifts and understand that we're in far more control than we give ourselves credit for. So, Mr. Reed, uh, I want to get to um, education and uh, your experience in the in the political realm, right quick. So, you went to MU, you graduated from MU, you then went to UMKC, and you found yourself in politics at a very young age. Uh, politics is that something, or uh, is that? You always had those aspirations. This is something that that came to you in college. Like, what got you into politics, and what made you continue to pursue that passion? So, growing up, uh, I hosted a teen radio show called Generation Rap on Hot One Hundred Three Gems. Don't forget to slam the Z. That's right. <laughs> uh, called uh, as, as I mentioned, Generation Rap. It was every Saturday morning. Uh, still airs at eight a.m. Uh, I was part of the first group of teens who had an opportunity to host a show uh, where we were able to talk about teen issues, uh, very similar to a a town hall uh, discussion or a town meeting. But it was something that gave me a voice. I often tell Mike Carter, who's the owner of uh, Carter Broadcast Group, that uh, he allowed for me to have a voice at a very early age uh, when I didn't necessarily know I had a and I wasn't really establishing that voice. But to have an opportunity uh, to be exposed uh, as a uh, as a seventh, sixth grader uh, on a large hip-hop R&B station and then also their sister station on the gospel side or even their sports station that they had back uh, then uh, having that opportunity to be a voice uh, as a teenager and uh, really growing into that uh, and not just, you know, talking with my friends on, uh, on the, on the, on the social media or something along those lines, but, you know, really having people listen and community leaders uh, are politicians or um, uh, entertainers or whatever it may have been. Came, came into the studio and had conversations with us weekly. Uh, and I did that for four years of high school. And so that exposed me to so much uh, and having an opportunity to meet my mentor, Alvin Brooks, who is now 88 years old, met him when I was nine years old. He was one of the individuals that really introduced me to a lot of all of this. Uh, and then also interning in his uh, city council office when uh, he served as a city council person uh, as the mayor pro tem of Kansas City, Missouri, uh, and uh, at 14 years old, been able to see myself eventually someday um, in that role. I literally had a, uh, a picture, and it still hangs in my office to this day, um, of me at, at 14 years old, sitting behind Alvin Brooks's city council desk uh, with the American flag draped behind me um, at 14. Um, and it, 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 it's a significant article. It was featured in the Kansas City Star, um, and it was like a, a profile, and I forget the actual name of that particular article, but nonetheless, it was, it's something that, who would have thought 10 years later, uh, or, or, or 11 years later or so, that I'll be sitting in the same exact seat as a city council person. And so, um, you, you're, 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 you asked about, and I, and I give that background because the, to the, the larger question you asked is, have you saw yourself in that role? 
Yes, uh, I did. Did I think it would happen so soon? No, I did not. However, what I did do is I stayed the course uh, when I met a gentleman named David Ross, and he told me he was president of Bank of America. Uh, David Ross now is 80 years old, and uh, he's, he's, he's a good friend, and I can't wait to talk to him about politics in the next couple of days because he's a diehard Republican, <laughs> uh, and I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a diehard Democrat. Uh, so looking forward to having a good conversation with him. But when I met him at um, about 15, 16 years old, and he asked me, where I was going to go to school and for him to tell me that he would pay for me to go to school if I went to Mizzou. It was a, cha- it was a life-changing experience wow. because he did that. And so I knew for me that I had uh, a lot on my shoulders and there were a lot of people who believed in me that I didn't want to let them down and I wanted to do everything that I possibly could uh, to move and stay on the right track so that I can accomplish these life goals that uh, in the trajectory that I felt like I was on and not make it a mistake. Uh, and so all of those life, life experiences and so much more that um, uh, could even unpack uh, led me to the decision of potentially knowing that uh, I wanted to serve in public office. Do I, you know, people ask, well, what do you want to run for something else you want to do that? No, I, I just really want to make a difference. Uh, politics really requires for people that are sitting at the table who give a damn about what's happening and actually care about making a larger decision. Sorry for my, my, my bad language, but authenticity, but, 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 you know, people have to actually care. And I uh, just want to be at the decision-making table. That's part of the reason why I ran for the community college board, which I serve as a board of trustee now, um, because I care about what's happening in my local community. And I understand the plight of so many who, don't necessarily have the voice or the voice that represents their needs, their interests, their concerns at these decision-making tables. And I always felt as if that I could uh, be that voice uh, for those uh, like my mom, who's a uh, was a single mother raising five kids uh, and couldn't necessarily go to a community meeting all the time, but it didn't mean that she didn't care, but she cared enough that people were at the table who represented her needs, her concerns, and, and that could help change and improve the quality of life. And so uh, I've stayed this course uh, because of those, uh, those reasons. Well, I'm just looking here at my notes and I got four pages of things that you I, I doubt it. I doubt God. it. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> you think those I'm... Are, those are half pages. So that, really, <laughs> that really makes just the front and half a back. So uh, <laughs> of all the amazing things that you've done, um, individuals that you've met, uh, career goals, accomplishments, all that stuff. I mean, the, the one that really jumps out at me and the one that I would hang my hat on if I were you is that you shared the airwaves and I'm just, I'm just based on our age and the time frame in which you speak of being in high school and hot one Oh three jams. You shared airwaves with, uh, Dr. Dre, Tupac, Lil Kim, Ice Cube, Biggie, and my man, Mr. Jermaine Reed, is over there spitting facts and making a difference. Nobody could ever take that from you. Oh my gosh. Uh, you see how that, I got that's Lil, pretty good. Lil that's pretty good. Thank you. So I wanna I wanna talk. We should have met in college, Paul. We we would have we would have this would have been so much. 
we got we got lots of time, my friend. We're gonna create some memories together. All right, I want to be respectful of your time because we're coming up on uh, we're coming up on an hour. You have kind of uh, planted the seed several times, as have I, uh, regarding politics and specifically today's politics. And my goodness, like it's so refreshing to hear you say that you cannot wait to talk to your guy, David Ross, who is a, who is a diehard Republican and you're a diehard Democrat and I'm paraphrasing and you can't wait to talk to him about the political landscape, whether it's the the democratic national convention, which you said I was over and I didn't want to listen to, uh, to the analysis and all that stuff. If you knew today, like if the landscape was the same back when you started in politics as it is right now with the divisiveness uh, and the left versus the right and, and what appears to be just open hate uh, and a lack of empathy uh, and acceptance of other people's opinion or perspective, would you still have gotten into politics? Yeah, likely so. You know, and I, and I see uh, many of the individuals who are uh, young advocates uh, today uh, those marching with Black Lives Matter and other groups uh, that are advocating, hell yeah, I'll be out there in a heartbeat uh, trying to uh, make a difference. You know, I, I, I could tell you several times of having opportunities to interact with uh, Jesse Jackson and marching with him in Washington, D.C. on the front line uh, at, 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 a, at a march when I graduated from college or have an opportunity to go uh, march with John Lewis and feeling like, man, I'm doing what these older gentlemen were doing with Dr. King. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, I, I would uh, definitely um, try to be doing something uh, to make a difference uh, because the reality of it is, is that our voices really do matter. And uh, what I learned from my time in politics uh, is that there is what is called an inside outside game. And outside is what we see as this advocacy uh, in the individuals who are out marching, who are out uh, advocating for a particular issue. Inside are those individuals who we elect. And that's why we why people always talk about voting matters is because the people who we elect should have our voices, should have our interests. But we need all of those to mirror each other. And sure, uh, there are differences of opinions but the, the, the vi- but the divisiveness that we see today is something that is a, a tad bit discouraging, but it also is uh, what I consider also motivating uh, that we have to continue this fight uh, because it's the right fight uh, for so many different things. Those who are living and working minimum wage jobs, those who um, are uh, healthcare and our essential workers working on the front lines, uh, front lines, excuse me, uh, of whatever um, uh, this pandemic and the crisis in which we're in, we're in. Uh, there are things that we need to be faced with, and we've got to have people who have that fight, who understand uh, that you have to speak truth to power, uh, who are able to listen to people. And I think that's the larger point that you were talking about with Mr. Ross, is that I don't care that uh, we uh, may disagree on issues, but at least we can listen to each other. And I walk away from every single conversation uh, with my Republican friends and uh, uh, my my independent friends with a renewed sense of there are some common goods between what all of us are actually saying, 
than we actually think and or know going into those conversations because it takes us being able to listen to each other so that we can come up with um, common sense solutions and practical solutions that help us live in a world uh, that we all want to live in. Yes. So I, w- I want to last one last uh, topic of conversation, but I want to call out a third golden nugget. Now there are many, many more than just three golden nuggets uh, in this particular podcast. But if you're listening, I want to specifically call your attention to three of them. The first, of course, again, just to reiterate, uh, focus more on what to do versus what not to do, listening for it and giving advice on it. The second one is uh, take more pride in understanding and owning your um, your personal um, uh, responsibility in creating outcomes in life. Whether people are coming to you with drama or you have challenges in your own life, you're stronger and you're more in control than what you believe. So that's the second one. And the third one that you just said, and I'm so glad that you said this because I, I was going to ask you the question and then I was fearful that we wouldn't get enough time to it, but you, 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 uh, you tied it up nicely in a nice little bow. I was going to ask you, how do you have civil discussions right now with your Republican friends as a Democrat and vice versa? As a, as a Republican, how do you have civil discussions with a, with a Democrat? And you said it masterfully. And the advice uh, carries over not just into politics, but religion and, and school and, and science and everything. It's listen to understand and not respond, right? Like we are so opinionated and so willing to to put ourselves on everybody else that we very rarely are listening with intent and deliberately to what people are saying to get an idea of their perspective. And so if you go into a conversation with limited judgment and you hear their perspective, you don't have to agree with it, but at least you could walk away like Mr. Reed with his buddy, whether it's David Ross or or Alvin Brooks, feeling as though, you know what? I see where he's coming from. I see where she's coming from it's cool that we could shake hands and move on. Um, last thing I want to talk to you about real quick. I know that uh, you decided to run for mayor of Kansas City and you ran against Quentin Lucas, uh, a mutual friend and somebody that we respect. I use that term very loosely. Like he wouldn't, he wouldn't know my name. Uh, but nevertheless, tell me about your experience in that. I, I know that you walked away, uh, unfortunately, without that W, but you learned a lot. Uh, what was that experience like for you? Uh, so, so Mayor Lucas and I are friends. I've known um, Quentin Lucas since uh, uh, college. We actually are the exact same age. Uh, he and I actually had dinner last Wednesday uh, oh. together. And interestingly enough, we had this very conversation uh, about the winner and or the loser. Mm. And I said during dinner last Wednesday uh, with him is, is that, you know what? Uh, mayor, it wouldn't have mattered if I was um, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh uh, in a 12-challenger mayoral race in the primary because only two people are were going to win and only one person was actually going to win. And so uh, it wouldn't matter if I won or lost. If I lost, if I lost, excuse me, it wouldn't matter if I won, but if I lost, I lost. And it doesn't matter where I sat on that, on that ladder. I lost, you know, but that doesn't mean that the issues in which I ran on, uh, the passion, the zeal, the desire that I had to serve 
doesn't mean that those issues were lost in that race. Uh, but the uh, but this particular time was not for me. And uh, I am glad <laughs> at this point that, uh, especially having a, a, a whole year later now to even reflect on uh, that particular time and space in which I was in, uh, and then obviously given all of the things that have unfolded over this past year from uh, COVID-19 uh, to the death of George Floyd and the marches and all that, I mean, one signs up to run for public office, to do public good, go cut some ribbons, to kiss some babies, to shake some hands, uh, to, to, to do all these things. And you don't get a chance to do all of that right now. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, I, I'm fine, <laughs> of course, with the result. And who knows? Uh, I have no intention right now to run for uh, mayor or any other office outside of the one that I'm currently serving in uh, from the Metropolitan Community College Board. Uh, but public servants should be just that is that you're, you're serving for public good, for public trust, to do something uh, to make a larger impact in our community, uh, our, our county, our state, our federal government, wherever you might be serving, uh, because you care about the public good of those that are around us. And so um, that was one of the larger takeaways uh, from uh, you know just the dinner conversation the other night uh, with Mayor Lucas, is that you know we, we all still... Uh, can have mutual respect and still be friends with each other. And at the end of the day, win or lose, we can still we can still sit down together and have a drink or have dinner and and still be friends uh, because it doesn't make uh, you better than me or that my ideas matter more than yours. Uh, but somebody has to do it, and there are good people across the board uh, that care about things that are happening, uh, the, regardless. Sorry for is that distracting you? Uh, no, it's good. It's, hey, it's, I, I, believe I'll it or not, life you, happens. <laughs> there is a real life uh, yes. uh, uh, wall on the other side of me. So, <laughs> but regardless of um, you know what, where we where we land on uh, issues here and there, there there are people who actually do care uh, about what's happening. And, uh, you know, your, your friends before, uh, I had an opportunity to serve with uh, Mayor Lucas uh, as my counterpart uh, in the third district in which I represented uh, the district as the district council person. And he served as an at-large member in the same exact community. He lives around the corner from me, right? Uh, and so we were friends before running and we're still friends uh, after. Well, Next time that happens, you two gentlemen get together. I just ask that you hit me on my personal slash business cell phone. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, so we haven't even scratched the surface of this. And unfortunately, we don't have time. uh, We'll do a continuation. We'll do round two or something. We should. Uh, We have to see if your viewers actually like what the heck I'm talking about. Listen, don't invite him back. Hey, don't get it twisted. You think this is funny that you think that I do this for our listeners. Like I get an uh, extreme (laughs) amount of joy doing this for myself. Uh, So, uh, hey, you guys know that's not true. I love y'all. We couldn't do anything (laughs) without you. Um, Hey, so 30 second synopsis. I know that you're working in government still as a consultant. What are your responsibilities? And if somebody wants to learn more about Jermaine Reed, Mr. Reed, as we call him in the streets, uh, how do they how do they find you? Well, visit me at JermaineReed.com. That's just my name altogether, JermaineReed.com. And what I've been currently doing over the past years, I started my own business, which I named after my late grandfather, 
Uh, it's called KGR Consultants. And what we do is we help collect, connect uh, uh, large, small, medium-sized businesses uh, with local municipalities, our state, our federal governments, uh, where they're providing business solutions uh, that provide some efficiencies for local government or technology or infrastructure needs or uh, wastewater, sewer, transportation, whatever the issue may be, uh, we help them navigate that as their government affairs uh, consultants. Uh, and so it's been going very well. You can uh, visit me at jermainreed.com um, and, and check me out there or um, send me a direct email at jermaine at jermainreed.com. That is jermaine at jermainreed.com. Uh, it comes directly to me. Uh, so, but appreciate the opportunity to chat with you today. This has been a lot of fun and I, I definitely am open for round two, three, four, whatever, uh, to keep the conversation and party going. There's always so much more to talk about. Uh, and uh, there is an important election coming up in November, probably the most important election yes. of our lifetime. And we didn't even really get a chance to talk about all of that. And regardless of where you are on, on the views uh, and your views and opinions, it is important that you vote. Um, and, um, I'll stop there because I can go into a whole nother. No, listen, I, I think we should get back together. The unfortunate thing is it'll probably take us up through November to find a time that works on your schedule. No, 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 oh, no. no. <laughs> I, I was, I, what, what does that shirt say? Butt kicker. This is uh, <laughs> but, but, but kicker. Uh, no, it won't. It won't. It won't. I, you know, I'm not as important as you are. Oh, get out of here. This is that Charlie Hustle special. But this is foreshadowing because I knew that you were going to lay the hammer down on me. Uh, <laughs> my guy, Jermaine Reed, is on LinkedIn as well. JermaineReed.com. Lots of great nuggets. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up with them. Uh, KGR, obviously the K stands for Kenneth, named after your grandfather. What's the G? Gregory. It Gregory. was his middle name, which is actually my oldest brother's name, Gregory. Uh, and then the R, of course, is Reed. Awesome. And, interestingly enough, I, I had another uh, cousin, one of my cousins uh, told me uh, at, at, I host Christmas uh, dinner uh, and I remember telling everybody about it. And one of my cousins, he's actually in the Navy. He, he says to me, um, he says, hey, that, that's my business because his name is KGR as well. There are three um, K, KGR in our family, but then my uncle has all of his kids, their first, middle, and last names start with the K, middle name with the G, and then the R. So I was like, oh, I didn't even think about that. But it, So it's almost like a big family business. And well, so, his mama called him Clay. Took, I'm going to call him Clay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> the here. there it is. And so just just as a, to come full circle, you said uh, how much your grandfather meant to you roughly one hour and three minutes ago. Uh, you questioned my note-taking ability, and uh, I got Kenneth down on my notes, so what's good? Uh, listen, here are the takeaways. Uh, listen to understand, not to respond. Uh, stop trying to insert yourself in your opinion before understanding what others are saying. Second, uh, never underestimate the power of you in controlling your environment and allowing negative or positive energy in. And third, uh, ultimately. Goodness gracious, stop focusing on what not to do and focus more on what to do. Jermaine Reed, I greatly appreciate you. Appreciate you as a man. I appreciate your passion for life and helping others and making a difference, gravitating towards the things that you think are fun, 
ultimately you as the Fundamism Podcast listener, we greatly appreciate you as well. We couldn't do it without you. Go out, have some fun today, create some fun in the lives of others until we see you on the flip side. Deuces!